Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? Going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. This is the last week before the end of the year. And when we finally move into the future years, 2020, which, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, didn't sound like a year at all. <laughs> didn't exist. Right. But yeah, it, it's crazy to be here after, I, I remember sitting as a kid in 1986 when they put a little time capsule thing together and they were burying it on like, it was probably like the New Year's Eve television show or something. And I was like, and they were like, we're, we're going to open it in the year 2000. And I was like, that seems like an eternity from now. How right. are we ever going to get to the year 2000? And now we're, I'm old. Yeah, 2020 doesn't seem like it's a real year. Um, but speaking of the new year, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in Door County. There's some really exciting stuff that goes on. Tell me a couple of the the New Year's traditions that happen up here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting better and more exciting. You know, when I was a kid, you always had the New Year's Day parade in Egg Harbor. It is a goofy, short, but fun parade. Uh, not quite as short, I don't think, as like the Jacksonport parade. But uh, it, that was always something I always looked forward to. Um, watching is, from my grandmother's house. Is that the one where anybody can just show up and do the parade? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I thought. Yeah, that is always a really fun one. I know that there's like a truck with a Pikachu float that goes down for some <laughs> reason, which always, you know, tickles me when I see it. I have some old pictures from probably like the early 80s, maybe late 70s, that are in my family of like massive snow sculptures built on trailers that people would color and turn into floats. I always dream that I can be that creative when any of the parades come around, whether it be... The Bailey's Harbor Parade of Lights, the 4th of July Parade, the New Year's Day Parade. I'm always like, we're going to do it this year. We're going to have this cool thing for the for the pulse. But I am not artistically creative that way at all. So it falls by the wayside. And that's why it's on you, Andrew, to make this happen. I have been tasked with designing the pulse float for like three years in a row now. Yeah. And every year I come up with the same design, a big giant paper mache Dave Elliott head that he can sit in with a microphone and, you know, talk to whoever he wants. And every year people go, oh, that's fun. Let's do that. And then it never gets built. So I've done my part. We just need volunteers to come out. You need to project manage this to fruition. If you're listening to the podcast right now, it's probably not enough time in the, in the remainder of the year to do it. But next year, if you want to help us build the giant paper mache Dave Elliott, uh, you just let me know. You can email me at andrewk at peninsulafilmworks.com. Uh, what else goes on around New Year's? Okay, so then uh, New Year's Eve, um, well, I, I guess backtrack to Monday, December 30th, the day before that, uh, the big Play It Forward for the Holidays concert at Door Community Auditorium, where a bunch of pretty much like the all the local musicians show right. up and play. Are you going to the rehearsal for that, did you just say? Or? Yes, uh, we'll be at the rehearsal. We're doing something special this year for it, uh, which should be pretty cool. Um, and I, I'm learning about the the performance as well for the first time, too. I know that it is it was uh, started because of the Go Bo Foundation, right? Yeah, I believe that's what it was. And, you know, Bo Johnson inspired uh, a lot of people to do a lot of different things in this county for each other and to 
And, you know, the holidays is really a great time for that, of course. But Bo Johnson was a, a young kid at Gibraltar School who died of cancer back in 2012, but was a very inspirational kid. And even as he was struggling, he would constantly just talk about how lucky he was to have his friends and how everyone, he just wanted people to be good to each other, just right. be kind to each other and help each other out. And it kind of inspired everything from the Ben Anderson story that we talked about last week on the podcast to concerts like this one. Yeah, it, it seems like it's going to be a really cool event. I'm going to get to see it for the first time on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to working with those guys to put on something pretty cool this year. So uh, that's going to be exciting. And then, uh, of course, on New Year's Eve, we have kind of a special ball drop that happens <laughs> up in Sister Bay. I think this is the third annual uh, FM 106.9, The Lodge Cherry Drop, correct? Yeah, the folks over at The Lodge, um, Mike and Jamie, came up with this. And I think we talked about this before uh, when we first heard about this cherry thing. We're like, oh, this is kind of a weird, goofy Door County thing. Like, how is this going to manifest itself? They're going to do this cherry drop at Husby's. Um, and it's actually really cool. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and it brings out a ton of people. It becomes this big kind of like on the street party yeah. around midnight. And they have like a really cool light up cherry ball, like the same that you would have in Times Square that like slowly drops down. It has the year on it. It's a really cool event. Yeah. And even though it's been really cold the last couple of years up there, there's been anywhere from like 500 to 1,000 people. I mean, I'm not good at estimating the size of that crowd because people are <laughs> so bundled up and right. everything, but it fills up that intersection. Uh, the bowl is rocking. Husby's is rocking. Chop's been rocking for that. It's just a cool way to get a lot of people in one spot and have kind of like a centerpiece event for right. New Year's Eve rather than just scattered parties at bars yeah. with noisemakers. And if you haven't been out to it yet, like I said, it's this is the third annual one. I think this is going to be the best year to do it so far just because it doesn't seem like it's going to be very cold. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been pretty warm these last couple of days. I've been kind of tucked inside for the holidays, but like going out today through the fog and just seeing how everything is melting. Yeah. I think that, uh, that New Year's is going to be nice and warm and people will be able to really get out and have a good time. Uh, we were down in Chicago for the holidays visiting uh, my wife's family and my family. And when we drove down, you got to about south, just a little south of Green Bay, and suddenly all that snow and ice in, Nor in Door County, just, you didn't have any, just south of Green Bay. And Chicago had none. And then coming back home just four days later, now Door County's barely got any of that snow, and we're into that ugly version of a winter. Right. I hate it when it's like this. I want a snowstorm. Yeah. It, it kind of held on through Christmas a little bit, but now it's definitely just muggy and foggy. A little and, muddy, yeah. a little yeah. gray. But don't let that be a damper on New Year's Eve. It'll be fun. Uh, there'll be plenty of libations no matter what the weather's like. Right. And uh, yeah, it should be a great time up in Sister Bay. Cool. Uh, any other New Year's events before we move on to the news this year? Well, new father, what's your big New Year's plan? Oh, I don't know. Usually in the past, we've gone to Pheasant Park to hang out with the in-laws. Uh, but we did that for Christmas this year. So uh, New Year's, maybe we'll, we'll party somewhere. Maybe we'll just kind of have a, a nice, uh, quiet New Year's at home. Um, things are going really great with, uh, with the child and with my wife and things are moving along the way that they should. So it's been a lot of fun, uh, but we're actually maybe going to be alone for the first time since he was born coming up here. As oh, yeah? We've had the holidays and everything and people coming up to see him. So yeah. every weekend we've had people up to see him. So this will be like the, our kind of first chance to breathe and maybe get some sleep while he's sleeping rather than being up and entertaining all day. You're not going to introduce Oliver to like the all-nighter, six go till 6 a.m. at the bars. Should I bring him to the cherry drop, do you think? Yeah, I think he'd really love Husby. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Ideal. He uh, He's still at the point where he 
opens his eyes, but he doesn't look at anything. So it's not <laughs> like he's going to take in much. Uh, just probably be cold and uncomfortable. Why don't we move on to the news this week? We've got some interesting stories. Uh, first up, the DNR has relaxed some of its protocols when it comes to, like, we've talked about the high water mark a lot in response to people's shorelines getting busted up by the high water. The DNR has kind of relaxed some of their permitting and, and processes for if you want to, like, try to shore up your property. Is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. They have... Normally, if you want to do something on your shoreline, like it's a burdensome permitting process because obviously the DNR doesn't want people just going willy-nilly with piers and digging up their shoreline or dumping sand and, and right. kind of messing with Mother Nature on the shoreline. So if you so much as like kind of want to chop down a tree, that, that can get you in trouble if it's like right on the shoreline in a wetland area. I have just a, a kind of a weird question. So when you, when you buy property, you own the property, but can you own... Shoreline? Like, if you own shoreline property, is there, like, a point where it's, like, yeah, you, you live next to the water, but you don't own the water? Is there, is there something like that in the same way that you don't own the airspace above your home? Yeah. Um, what's the best way to put this? Obviously, with the caveat that I am no legal expert on this, but having covered it a lot, essentially, you own up to the high water mark is sort of considered, like, your property line hmm. on the water. So even though, and that's the ordinary high water mark, so even if the water levels are lower and you might be in a spot that gains like 40 feet of shoreline. Right. That doesn't mean you can now build on that additional beach. Right. It just means you own up to the ordinary high water mark. Everything below that is considered kind of in the public trust, in public yeah. land. So technically, if the water goes down, I'm not totally sure on this, but I believe if the water goes down, like the public has a right to, to kind of walk on that, that shoreline. I'm not positive on that. So somebody, somebody would have to correct me on that. Interesting. Um, but... You also have riparian rights, which is like, like go out into the water. And that might, that would kind of guide like where you were allowed to build a dock if they even allowed you to, or a small pier or put in even a temporary pier. You'd have to do it within those boundaries. But that's my, that's my basic understanding of sure. it. Sure. Interesting. In some places like the state of Oregon, nobody owns the shoreline, like the, it's public shoreline, the entire run of the Pacific coast in Oregon. So I could mm. walk from, the border with Washington, all the way down to the border of California, all on public land. And it's all an open beach. That's what we should do in Door County. But anyway. Have, yeah. <laughs> so if you if you wanted to to change your shoreline or anything or, or put anything in, there's a pretty rigorous process that you go through with the DNR. Yeah. And this uh, change that they're doing now is to alleviate that just kind of in light of, you know, an emergency situation. This, the high water uh, that we haven't seen in 30 years. And the storms that come with it, especially storms are worst in late fall and in spring. So we just got pummeled by a bunch of those fall storms and we'll probably get pummeled by a bunch more in the spring. And right now, shoreline property owners are just trying to, in some cases, salvage their homes. Um, yeah. There are, I've seen some images of homes, take like the Algoma Chamber of Commerce, like their visitor center is on the beach in Algoma and storms this fall actually ripped almost underneath it. And so it was a little bit at risk of like another storm comes in and it might actually take the building out. You, we've seen the images, anybody who's been online, I've seen images of Anderson Dock and some of the damage there. Gardner has had roadways undermined by water. Bailey's Harbor right down here on Frogtown Road was at risk of it. So they put in new shoreline mitigation rocks and things like that. And Ephraim did the same. So you have all these places that just need to do something immediately before they have to fix or rebuild an entire road or they lose their house. Right. So uh, it's just a way that now 
the way this is working, people can, if you apply for the permit, you don't have to wait the two weeks or four weeks or, or sometimes months to get the approval right now. You can begin the work and kind of get the approval later. Sure. And what that what that does, though, in talking to a couple of different engineering firms who practice a lot in Door County and do this kind of work, they said the drawback there is it could lead to some bad decisions because somebody might hire someone who's not an engineer since you no longer have to get that certified engineer sign off on this permit. And that person may not understand wave action. And they might just go, okay, we're going to put up a bunch of rocks, which would be called riprap. We're just going to put a bunch of rocks out there and that, that'll protect your shoreline. Well, if they use the wrong kind of rocks, those will just get pummeled and moved. If you don't use big enough, heavy enough rocks, like that wave action can just still move them and just rip it all out. And right. maybe, and as a property owner, you might spend 30000 on something for for no re like it'll just be gone. Right. Well, it also pushes all that out into the water too. Yeah. Or onto your shoreline. Yeah. And then if you don't design it right, if it's designed like kind of as a flat wall, that's just going to leave that wave action and the current going into your neighbor's property and you're just going to cause a heck of a lot more damage to your neighbor and probably not long-term help yourself either. So you are, you do have the risk from what these engineers said is, you know, if somebody does it wrong, it could just lead to more cleanup and more expense for all these property owners down the road right. and unintended consequences for neighbors and municipalities. So there is the risk of like a contractor just coming up out there and saying, yeah, I can do that and just taking the money but not knowing really what they're doing. Yeah, the, the regulations may take a long time, but they're ensuring that things are done the right way. And this is a great way to help people kind of do some emergency action because, yeah. you know, the time is now to do it. But at the same time, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. My hope would be that if you are in the position where you have to take this emergency action, you take every step that you can to try to, to do it for the long term. Yeah. Because like you said, you don't want to end up making the situation worse for yourself or your neighbors in the long run. Right. You know, next spring is going to be, some people are doing some of this fixing up right now. We haven't had any major storms the last couple of weeks. So engineers have told me that it's it's kind of bought them a little time to get some work done. This little thaw right now um, can be helpful in some ways in that they can do more work. But then if you get a storm now while it's thawed, now that that ice is starting to melt again, now you, that actually increases the wave action all over again. So hopefully we don't get any major winds. But then next spring, I would guess, if I'm looking at it right now, I'm guessing next spring I'll be covering a lot of shoreline damage stories. Yeah, probably from a flooded pulse office too. Yeah, p possibly. <laughs> yeah. And we see it all right out the back back window here. We actually saw it um, next door at the Bailey's Harbor Marina where a uh, propane tank is located right on the shore. <laughs> and um, we had to ask them to move that propane tank because as we look at it out our office windows, you see the rocks piling up around this tank from where the wave action is just pummeling the shoreline with rocks. And if that if those rocks pummel that propane tank, obviously that's a little scary. Right. So. Well, Miles, why don't we take a break? And then we when we come back, we uh, are going to talk about what I think is your third favorite thing in the world to talk about behind <laughs> yeah. when you were a coach and when you were at Husby's. <laughs> we're going to talk about the room tax numbers. Uh, so we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll jump into that. Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks. Oh my gosh, no way, me too. I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something. Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit DoorCountyPulse.com slash shop, you can find exactly those items. You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and an incredible collection of 
of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy online? That we did, Andrew, that we did. I didn't know that we had an online shop. What else can I get there? You can also buy some Paul stickers, Door County Living stickers. You can subscribe to Door County Living or the Peninsula Pulse if you are not in Door County. You can buy our annual door wedding guide. And you can also buy uh, lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster, but might want to add a little something something in your gift package. I'm looking at the shop right now and I just noticed that we have Peninsula Pulse hats with the dog logo and everything. Grace, I think I am sold. Where can I go to find all of this stuff one more time? www.doorcountypulse.com slash shop. Okay, we are back. So, Miles, the room tax numbers have come in, and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you may have heard uh, our episode that we did with John Jarsh from the Door County Visitor Bureau. He came in and he told us a bunch about room tax and gave us a bunch of numbers, and we kind of nerded out about the the numbers and what they mean maybe a year ago. So if you haven't heard that episode, definitely check it out. Uh, But then we talked a little while ago about room tax numbers as they came in last time, and uh, you had written an article about how, I believe, Egg Harbor is kind of the the sleeping giant of of occupancy rate, right? Yeah. right? Uh, how how has that changed, and and what do the numbers tell us right now? But before we jump into that, give me kind of the one sentence recap of what room tax is and why it's important. Uh, room tax is a tax paid by it's a pass through tax paid by people staying in Door County, staying at lodging entities in Door County. Um, so it's a five point five percent tax, and all those collections they go to the Door County Tourism Zone which is a collection of all 19 municipalities in the county that oversees the tax. And then 66% of that goes to the Door County Visitor Bureau for marketing purposes. 4% goes to the tourism zone to kind of the the management of the tax and the enforcement of the tax. And then the remainder goes back to the individual municipalities that collected the tax. So it doesn't get spread evenly. Um, Whatever Sister Bay collected, 30% of that will go back to the village of Sister Bay, whatever... Neswapi collected, which might be dramatically lower, but 30% of that goes back to Neswapi. They can spend it any way they want. Okay. Tell me a little bit about room tax numbers and what we kind of see and what we're seeing this year. So this year we we saw more growth. It looks like once late collections roll in, right around 4% increase in collections over 2018. Um, That's continued growth as we've seen pretty much since the tax was enacted back in 2008. And then you know, the town of Gibraltar still leads the way from an individual municipality standpoint with about $750,000 collected. The town and village of Egg Harbor, which, as you referenced earlier, we did a, a podcast and I wrote a story about this, that from a community standpoint, that's more or less should be thought of as one entity. Like, it's a municipal boundary, but almost all of the town of Egg Harbor's room tax is coming from the Landmark Resort, which is, from a business community standpoint, is really just thought of as part of Egg Harbor. Right. It's just kind of just over that boundary. So you combine those two together, that's well over $800,000 in room tax collected. But in terms of growth this year, Sister Bay is up another 7.5%, and that's five straight years of really big growth for Sister Bay. Egg Harbor, the town, and the village are both up about 6%, another good year after last year's good year of growth in Egg Harbor. And the town of Bailey's Harbor is up almost 6%. So those are the three, well, four biggest municipalities in terms of fastest growth in and exceeding the average growth of the of the county sister bay almost double what the rest of the county is at and it's not surprising those are the communities that have invested the most in themselves over the last five or ten years yeah and room tax is a really great uh, barometer for how things are going just in general how many people are coming up here uh, that kind of stuff what times a year they're into because pretty meticulous records are taken 
when it comes to room tax, right? Yeah, it's collected month by month. Any like data geeks out there or people who really are interested in the, the tourism industry, I mean, it's month by month. It includes the room tax collected by community, what the average room rate was, and what the occupancy numbers are and how many rooms were available. So you can look at that and go, okay, Sturgeon Bay has the most rooms available. Uh, Gibraltar is a, a little bit behind there. And then you look at other t- communities in, say, Bailey's Harbor with that growth, they have many fewer rooms available. And then as you, you can start thinking about that, you go, oh, yeah, Bailey's Harbor doesn't really have that those big hot- hotels and, right. and lodging isn't such a big part of it, whereas uh, t- Fish Creek and Ephraim are predominant. I mean, Fish Creek has a lot of retail, too, but they have a lot of big lodging facilities. Do Airbnb and VRBO collect room tax? They do. And this has become more and more controversial because, as I said before, Door County collects room tax and then a percentage of that goes back to the community in which it was collected. So 30% goes back. For the 10 years, 11 years that this has been going on in Door County, it's run really well. They've collected it and dispersed the money really well and nobody's had a problem. Airbnb and VRBO, starting January 1st, want to change how they remit that room tax back to the communities and they just want to send it back by zip code which seems easy enough, except for the fact that in Door County, zip code doesn't really correlate to municipality. So you have a big chunk of Liberty Grove. Their zip code is the same as Sister Bay. So Liberty Grove could end up losing a lot of room tax that that normally comes back to their town that helps them pay their bills. Same thing in Bailey's Harbor, where it overlaps, like the, the postal code here overlaps with parts of Liberty Grove and maybe parts of Egg Harbor. Same thing in Sturgeon Bay and all these different areas of the community, even some places where Kiwani and Door County zip codes overlap. So what Airbnb and VRBO want to do doesn't really work with the Door County Tourism Zone. And the Tourism Zone has been working with Joel Kitchens and other folks at the state level to try and get something written into this and put pressure on Airbnb to, I mean, for their purposes, it's probably as simple as putting a little bit of code or checkbox in their back end of their system for people who are renting on Airbnb to just check that box and say, this is the community it should be going through, that, that the tax money should be going to. Right. But right now, they, they really don't want to have to be, I guess, responsible corporate citizens. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. The, the other thing that I, I kind of geek out with room tax numbers is like, we didn't have these like really good numbers 10 years ago, right? Like no. Before this happened, how are we keeping track of how many people were in the county? Well, from those first few years when I was covering this in the industry and then as a business owner trying to keep up with it, it was all anecdotal. Even like this annual survey that would be put together and we'd get the numbers in May of the next year, even that was just done by surveying people. So it wasn't like hard and fast numbers. Steve Grutzmacher did a great job over the years of trying to just keep track of sales tax numbers as a barometer of the business climate in Door County, which would be more accurate. But now we have... If somebody says, like, how is tourism in Door County this year? I don't have to go and interview 10 different key lodging people and just say, like, what are you seeing? And, and they might say, well, I feel like rain made May worse or June better or something like that. Now we just go, here's this sheet of numbers that's hard data that tells us exactly how the county was doing, at least in terms of lodging. And now you can take that and combine it with sales tax returns at the end of the year. And you can say, right, the, the lodging data shows us this. The sales tax shows us this. You might be able to compare those two and say, people are still coming here, but they're not spending as much when they're here. You can really do some quality evaluations rather than, oh, it feels slower. 
I, I right. think I feel like there's more traffic. It's really hard to get into Sister Bay this year. Yeah, now we you have know, the actual like, data to, to quantify. Yeah. It. So you said that the the towns that are really kind of reinvesting in themselves are showing larger growth than others, but there's growth overall, and there has been the entire time that room to, room tax has been collected, right? Yeah, we've been um, growing. I think one year was kind of flat. Uh, otherwise, I think we've seen like two to four percent growth almost every single year. And when I talk about towns that reinvest in themselves, I'm talking on a on a municipal level, um, not just private business, but that tends to follow or coincide with that. But Sister Bay dropping somewhere between 15 to 18, maybe $20 million on infrastructure since 2007, opening up the waterfront. They've seen the big returns from that. Egg Harbor, about 10 to $12 million in pure municipal investment in their marina, their beach, street beautification, and then their contribution to the Crest Pavilion, but then the Crest Pavilion, another like 5 to $6 million in private donations. So almost $17 million invested in public amenities in Egg Harbor, and they're seeing big returns. Bailey's Harbor, not not nearly on that same level, but 10, 15 years ago started really revamping their sports complex, making a better place community to live in, and then also sprucing up Ann Clam Park dramatically. They've invested a lot in their visitor centers and their promotional efforts. Uh, and then Ridges Beach, and that was a state-level program, but they really improved their beach down the, down the road here just outside of town. And you couple that with the Ridges Sanctuary and their gleaming new facility here that really puts kind of put Bailey's Harbor on the map. It's like, all right, this is the center for environmental appreciation in Door County. And their their visitorship is way up. So right. it, it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot more growth in Bailey's Harbor. So those communities, that's not to say like spend it and they will come, but you can see the correlation in each of those communities. Right. We've seen a lot of construction in Fish Creek and Ephraim this year too. Uh, and we will see a lot more, especially in Fish Creek this coming year with the highway yeah. project that's going on. We probably won't see any correlating data for those probably for another two years, right? At least. I mean, Gibraltar, what was nice to see in those returns is that Gibraltar still held its own and still did well um, this last year, even with some of the confusion regarding the street closures. And remember, at one point, we thought there were going to be hard closures in the town of Gibraltar last spring and this fall. Instead, that got delayed a year. That's good because now they're going to be, they were able to get some prep work done this fall without major disruptions. So that should put them ahead of the game and make it go a little faster when they have to do the major work next spring. But, you know, that that's going to be interesting to see how that affects the town of Gibraltar and particularly like the Fish Creek core next year when you have some some hard closures on that County F Gibraltar school intersection and then the flagging operations through the spring. With Ephraim, not that it didn't have a, a substantial effect and not to minimize how it the, the road construction impacted those businesses, but Ephraim really doesn't get a ton of business in those March, April, May, even early, early June part of, I mean, part of the season, whereas Gibraltar is a little bit more year round. Spring matters a little bit more. Um, those lodge, there's lodging entities that are um, starting to fill up in May. And so it's, a, it's probably a larger percentage of their income. So we'll see how, how that impacts them next year. And then three or four years from now, depending on, you know, part of Sister Bay's, you know, they have the beautiful waterfront. That's obviously that's the centerpiece of what they did there and, and how that spurred local investment in that community. Um, Gibraltar doesn't have, A, doesn't have as far to come as Sister Bay did because seven, eight years ago, half half the main businesses in Sister Bay were under for, in foreclosure. So there was a lot of rebound to be had. Gibraltar doesn't have that same like street full of empty storefronts and right. 
and opportunity and foreclosures where people can come in and buy low and build something totally new. That that doesn't exist the same way in Fish Creek. But, you know, in a couple of years, they'll have that expanded beach that should be in, in better shape. And people hopefully will get past some of the disagreements that went into the building of it. You know, they didn't bury the power lines. Sister Bay, if you if you look at a then and now photo, it's it's actually dramatic how big an impact burying those power lines made so that it really did showcase all the beautification efforts instead yeah. of still having those power lines dot, like breaking up that beautification effort. Well, and Ephraim too. Ephraim buried their power lines as well. And yep. Ephraim is such a, when you think about it, it's a very small village. Like if, what you take in of it, because I mean, it goes up the bluff and all that kind of stuff. But when you're really driving through it, that's kind of what you see yep. is just that small part of it. By burying the power lines, you're opening up and, and maximizing that space in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of Fish Creek's efforts may not be that dramatic, but, you know, widening the sidewalk helps um, if they if they combine that with some good beautification efforts um, and just having a new road rather than a pummeled up road. Um, some of the stuff they're doing by the entrance to Peninsula State Park and, and then the beach, if that beach comes to fruition and it, it kind of um, in the second season grows into itself a little bit more and people get used to it, maybe that be, does at least to some degree for Fish Creek what Sister Bay's shore, shorefront did for them. Right. Um, and we shall see. And maybe that big parking lot that they made mitigates some of the congestion that people complain about sometimes. So I'm interested to hear what the numbers like room tax and occupancy ratings tell us about Sturgeon Bay. Because Sturgeon Bay is very different from the other communities in terms of like it has a lot, but it's, it's not much or it's not as much of a, um, a, a tourism focused place because it has all the industry down there as well. Yeah. Sturgeon Bay is interesting because. It, it isn't experiencing the same growth as the other towns, but I would compare it to maybe where Sister Bay was 10 years ago, where Sturgeon Bay is where there's so much opportunity for that growth, where, like I just said, like Town of Gibraltar, Fish Creek in particular, it's not like it bottomed out and has to come back like Sister Bay did. And Bailey's Harbor was a pretty quiet town 10 years ago and then has had, you know, the Pulse, the brewery, Heirloom, all these places come in and invest in the town. It, it's going to grow. Sturgeon Bay, in, in the peak of the summer, they, they don't collect nearly what the Northern Door communities do, but for the year, they are the second largest room tax generator. And that's even as like really not focusing on it. So if they get, maybe it's a, maybe they finally figure out the West Waterfront and do something on a public scale and invest in a public amenity that's so great that it attracts people and kind of turns that around, kind of how Sister Bay did. Like, and then that begets more private investment around it. Maybe that, that happens there. Ma you know, maybe they just get a couple of really good businesses that move in, like Sister Bay. The waterfront was great, but it also helped a ton that Door County Creamery took over a foreclosed property and is a great restaurant. Uh, Stabur finally built on an empty lot right next door to Al Johnson's and made this great new attraction. Wild Tomato invested and moved in and made one of the most popular year-round restaurants in the county. Like Those three things were huge. So maybe... Maybe Sturgeon Bay gets two or three new marquee investments from a private standpoint to couple with some public investment and that new wayfinding signage and, ever, and kind of rebranding. I mean, you could, there's just so much room for growth. I mean, peak season occupancy in Sturgeon Bay is still only like 68, 69%. That's what I was going to ask about the occupancy rating because they, they bring in a ton of room tax and yet their occupancy ratings are on the lower end. Yeah, they have so, a lot of, of room to grow just from without building a single new hotel room or adding a single Airbnb unit to that city. You know, the, the top room tax, top, top occupancy communities are in that 
81 to 85% occupancy in July and August. That's for the whole month, not just the weekends. The weekends is probably more like 99%. Right. Um, Sturgeon Bay sitting at like 69%. So if you just get halfway to that, if you're just, if they just bump it up to 76, 77 with the existing infrastructure that they have without having to build a single new room, you're talking major dollars for them. And that's ma major dollars more for the city to get back, to put into infrastructure and roads for their, their 30% and major dollars for uh, the visitor bureau to continue to market. Right. And occupancy ratings are a percentage. So it's not a one-to-one -one deal. So like in some communities, a 5% jump might be 25 rooms. Whereas yeah. like in a place like Sturgeon Bay, that, that same 5% jump might be 100 rooms. Yeah, because in peak season, they have 22,000, I think. I might be off on that, but about 22,000 room nights available. Hmm. So um, if you jump that occupancy, that I mean, that's even 1% makes a big difference in, in right. Sturgeon Bay. Yeah, because it's a significant change, whereas 1% yep. somewhere else wouldn't necessarily be as big an economic factor. Yeah. And what I wrote about, like, part of that, trying to correlate, like, not just, okay, that these people are going up or down, but trying to find those reasons why. And it, it usually is a combination of a, of a large public investment of a new amenity, either improving beaches is a big thing, um, improving a marina is a big thing, improving public park space seems to be a major driver. And then coupling that often with kind of the lesser, less visible infrastructure improvements, like Sister Bay has much nicer, bigger sidewalks than they used to. Uh, the, uh, they don't have the power lines. So everything looks, everything else that they do looks better because of that. Um, so then you get the private investment that follows. Egg Harbor, same thing with their marina and the beach. And then the private investment that came in where there was some opportunity in Egg Harbor, tons of opportunity for growth. So you have one barrel, you have hatch, you have the fireside. Those investments seem to be making a, a big difference in that village. Um, and they're in, they're primed for a lot more growth and um, opportunity because they're they're about to get their own highway project in a couple of years and they've got some really big plans that we're going to get into in the Pulse next week and next week's the issue that we'll probably talk about on this podcast but um, Egg Harbor's right on the cusp of even probably a, a new run of beautification in that, that village. Right. Any other points of interest from the room tax numbers before we wrap up this week? I think that'll do it for me, boring everybody this week. Oh, it's it's not boring. It is it is nerdy as heck, but it is a lot of fun to talk <laughs> about because, like you said, the they are a bunch of numbers, but they they tell you really tangible things. Like when you look at the numbers, you can correlate them to like, oh, maybe it's because of this thing that happened, and and the the strength of that correlation is much higher than it was. 15 years ago when it was like, well, it was rainy that month, so maybe not. Yeah. Oh, it was a really, really wet summer. And people say that even this year, some people say, um, well, I'm, I'm glad we did well because it was so wet. And it was rainy, but I still felt like a lot of the summer that rain came at times that made the days pretty easy to have a great time and be outside. Yeah. Like, I don't remember just being cooped up for a month at a time. Well, it's also interesting, too, because a lot of people, especially like business owners, might come out and say, like, it's been a really slow summer. There hasn't been a lot of people out here. But then you actually have the data to back it up. And you can look and see, has it really been slow or has it been big? Is there a different problem that's happening? And I know this from my own time in business and talking to business owners. I might talk to them one day in, at a certain time of the month and they're like, yeah, it's, it's slow. I'm really worried. And then I start to think, oh, man, maybe it's really bad. And then three weeks later, you talk to that same business owner and they're like, oh, man, great summer. Really good. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, well, what happened? 
well, you know, we were, we were down a few bookings for four days, but then the rest of the month was full. Right. And that's the thing, too. I feel like when you work in business, it gets hard to look at the long term and see how you're doing for the summer. Yeah. When it's more like, how are we doing for the week? Oh, we're down this week. So the whole summer is kind of slow. Yeah. Or today we didn't have barely anybody come in. So it's been a really hard week. And then the next day you're slammed and you're like, oh, it's been it's normal. It's just a day by day thing. Or you talk to a bartender and they're like, yeah, we're just not nearly as busy. A lot of times that's because the bar actually staffed appropriately compared to like the previous year where if you work a 4th of July and you're behind the bar and you have three bartenders and you're swamped and the next year you have four and a bar backstaffed, it feels really slow and easy. You're like, wow, we're just not that busy. Well, it's because it's appropriate. You can be full, but not slammed. Yeah. And you can be slammed, but not full. They don't correlate with each other as, as directly as you might think. Yep. Well, Miles, thank you so much for chatting with me this week, and I look forward to chatting with you in the new year. Yeah, happy uh, 2020. Happy 2020, everybody. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.